As we grow and evolve, we tend to have new behaviors we'd like to develop to better our schedules, our relationships, and our lives. And if you're like me, you start new habits strong, but then the old behaviors start creeping back in. I wanted to change that, so I looked into how to start new habits, and I want to share what I found. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Brenda Reese, freedom and forgiveness coach, and a person just like you that is learning to navigate life and all of its challenges. I teach a forgiveness process like no other. It's a blend of practical and spiritual forgiveness. This process guides you into knowing how unforgiveness can be keeping you stuck in your relationships, both personally and professionally, and how it prevents you from releasing resentment and finding joy. Each week, I share practical and some not-so-practical tips, tools, and advice from myself and other people that are on this journey just like us. This is for you if you are ready to turn your pain into peace. Welcome to the Forgive Yourself Podcast. So my husband always did have its well. By that, I mean he's been good at creating and sticking with new habits, which I admired. And I was annoyed at the same time because I didn't do that. I would get bored with routine and I tend to change up my habits or what I thought was going to be my new habit. I changed it up all the time. He amazed me with how he always got up at a certain time every day with no alarm. He would always read his daily motivation. He would meditate. He would get dressed. He would eat breakfast, check email, go to the gym or whatever he needed to do all regularly and at the same darn time. Okay. Not so much for me. I'm different. (laughs) My morning routine is improving, but it depends on my calendar and how late I want to sleep or some other variable. If I check my phone first, are you guys guilty of this too? If I check my phone or if I do something, I was like, oh, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. So my desire was to cut out that variable So I looked at the work of two women considered the founding doctors of habit research, Dr. Wendy Wood and Dr. Anne Grable. And what I learned was that basically anything you read or listen to about habits comes from their foundational research. And that's been for decades, no matter who it is that's sharing it. I didn't hear about these women. I had to hear about it from a Mel Robbins podcast, right? to to find out because I love research. So I dive deep too, because I want to know what's behind it. So their research boils down to three essential parts of creating a habit. They are number one, the new habit or behavior you want to start. So you need to know what that is. Number two, the cue or the trigger for that habit. And number three, a reward so that your brain will be consistent or it'll start liking it so you can be consistent. Now, I think it's important to say that the definition of a habit is actually really simple. It's a behavior you do so often, it's automatic. Not thinking about it, no drama, actually no feelings around it, and that's important. 
It's just what you do. So some examples that you've probably already heard before include like brushing your teeth or leaving for work at a certain time each day, driving that same way to work and home. Sometimes, have you ever done that? Where you get in the driveway and you go, oh gosh, I don't even remember the drive. Hmm, yeah, habit. Some other examples would be, you know, stopping at the coffee place, checking your phone when you wake up, you don't think about it, eating at a certain time of day, especially when you have a job, right? And you have a certain time to go to lunch, but you just automatically, your body is geared towards that. And then the one that we hear about, which I like, is looking when someone calls your name. It's just what we do. So why is it important to have good habits? Research shows that habits can change our identity. They help us see ourselves differently, which impacts us greatly. That was interesting to me, that habits can change our identity. So for instance, I have a friend, her name is Becca, and she wanted to run a marathon, but she wasn't a runner. So she was turning 55 and you know how some of us at different ages, we decide we want to challenge ourselves. And so she wanted to do that. I told her she was crazy, but that I would support her because that's what good friends do. And I am not running a marathon. I will help her run, I'll help her do all this stuff, but not run with her. Now, in order to reach her marathon goal, she needed to create habits that she did not have. Remember, she's not a runner. So what she needed to do, she didn't have any information for. So I shared with her what I had learned from the research, and together we came up with some ideas, of course, along with looking them up and asking people questions. So Becca needed to start each day the same way by setting her clothes out right the night before so she could just get into the clothes without thinking, right? And also by she had to set her alarm 30 minutes earlier than she needed to so that she could add in this new habit. So she was determined and every day she added She did that 30 minutes, but she added a bit more. So after a few days, because it was hard. Oh my God, was it hard at first? (laughs) But she added a bit more to that walking, right? She would walk at first and walk a little faster and then went into a run. And after just a couple of weeks, it was fascinating to see how, how she saw herself differently. Okay. She absolutely started to love it. And she not only felt better about herself, but she now called herself a runner. So it changed her identity of herself. So in her mind, her identity had changed. And while she hadn't, and this is important, she hadn't run the marathon yet. In fact, she's not sure she's going to run a marathon now. But this habit of walking and then running and then walking positively changed her identity of herself. So what we've learned so far is that habits help us achieve goals, right? And they change who we are and how we see ourselves. This goes for those good habits and the not so good habits. 
The interesting thing about bad habits, so those not so good habits, is that research says desire alone is not enough to make us change a bad habit to a good one. And neither is willpower. Say what? Right? (gasps) But wait, that's what we're told so often. Use your willpower or you really need to, you really need to want this thing and your desire needs to be deep and you have to feel what you want. Put emotion into it. Okay. Now I'm going to bet that most of us have the desire and know how to make these changes. And we probably know the why, the why behind wanting to make those changes. I'm going to bet we do. But research says, desire or emotion around wanting something differently so badly can actually stop us from actualizing it. Now, this is research, y'all. Okay, I'm just the messenger. But what an example would be is this. You want to write a book. You know you're destined to write it. So this is like my story. I want to write a book. Been trying for a while. You have this destined book that you want to write, but instead you sit in overwhelm. You start doubting yourself as you, you know, you're anticipating what others may say and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, people are going to read this. Oh, I'm not professional enough or I'm not expert enough. Oh my gosh, there's so many other books out there like, like I did. I overwhelmed myself with all of this and then voila. I didn't write, you know, I went right back to doing other things, making myself busy. You might binge on Netflix or, you know, whatever habit we have that's comfortable for us. This is why science is helpful because looking at creating habits scientifically allows you to take the emotion out and focus on the three things we really need to change the habit. So the three things that we need, remember, research says there are three essential parts of creating a habit, and they are, one, the new behavior or new habit you want to start. We need to know that. Number two, the cue or the trigger for that habit. And number three is a reward for consistency. So if we try out this research and we use these three foundational steps to start a new habit, it could actually look like a process. So for example, we want to write that book, the one that we got overwhelmed about when we were trying to do it without a process. So here's how it might look with a process. Number one, you'd sit down and write every day. Yes, every day. That's the small step for the new behavior. Number two, you'd identify the cue that you need right? Kind of like the exercise clothes laid out the night before for the runner. So you would need to have whatever you need, all of it at your ready, right? So you'd need to set up your desk with your laptop, or if you have a desktop, you have it open, ready to go, have your pens, pencils, markers, a whiteboard, uh, post-it notes, those big ones, you know, for the wall, whatever that is, whatever you need to get those juices flowing, Have that at the ready. And then number three, figure out what that reward is. 
our brains love reward. We always appreciate a really good dopamine hit as a reward. So decide how you're going to treat yourself if you sit and write as you plan. Research suggests that for a reward to be part of this habit-forming process, it needs to happen within minutes of doing the new behavior. So maybe that looks like sharing what you've written with a friend. That'd be a reward for me because, you know, we could celebrate together. Or maybe not share what you've written, but just have a buddy, a writing buddy. You know, there's a lot of those groups that get together to write. And so you're in there celebrating that, woohoo, I wrote one, even one sentence. That's amazing. The more we reward ourselves, the more our brains crave doing that new habit to earn that reward. Our brains are very trainable like dogs. So... What behavior do you want to make? What new behavior? So what are you looking to change? What new habit do you want to start? Is it eating healthier, like mine and other people's, regularly exercising, working on that new book we keep talking about, or the new program, or maybe going and starting something new, like a new hobby? Or maybe it's just being a bit more social. Maybe it's trying to find new friends. Okay. Whatever it is, here are some tips for identifying and creating new habits. I suggest you get your journal and write this down just so it'll stick in your brain. Number one. First, we need to identify the old behavior, right? You want to change. So write that down whatever that is. What is the old behavior that you want to change? Number two is, what's the current trigger or cue for that old habit? So in other words, what makes you want to do that old habit? Write that down too, right? What makes us want to scroll, you know, on our phones through social media? Or what makes us want to check out? What makes us want to do that? And number three is think about what reward you get for doing that old habit. Write that down. There is a reward. We don't do anything without a reward. And even though it may not be what we term as a good reward, it's still a reward to our brain. It's still giving us some sort of a hit. Science tells us that we will not change an old habit unless we have a new one to replace it. Okay, so now the next steps we do, so we're going to make this, the fourth one would be think of the new habit you want to use as replacement for the old one. Number five, think of that new trigger or cue for that habit. And then number six would be decide what reward you'll get every time you follow this new behavior. So I'll do a simple one. You may want to drink 64 ounces of water instead of coffee all day. What you can do is do an environmental trigger, which is put water bottles by the coffee maker, right? If that's what you do every morning, put it at your desk, put it in your car, everywhere you may be tempted to have coffee. Make water very visible and accessible. Doesn't mean you're not having coffee too. But just make sure the water's there because that's going to trigger your brain going, oh, that's right. I wanted to drink some water first. 
This is actually a new habit that I wanted to create in my life. So a friend of mine and I would text each other pictures of our empty water bottles once we drank them to celebrate, right, with each other. It's like, woohoo, you know, we did it. The fun and the celebration in that reward helped to tell my brain, this is a habit we enjoy and I want to do it again. Now, especially when you add like lemon or fruit to flavor the water, that makes it better. Then that helps you to continue to do it. Becoming aware of our habits and being willing to create new ones is actually self-care. And taking care of yourself is all about self-forgiveness and acceptance. When we create and uncreate habits, that can be a life changer. Now, in an upcoming episode, we're going to be talking about how our negative beliefs and patterns are actually habits and how we can identify them and then create a new habit using what we've been learning here. Oh, and I'd love to learn what you think about habits and what habit you are wanting to change. So please reach out to me on social media at Brenda Reese Coach or by email at Brenda at Brenda Reese, R-E-I-S-S coaching.com because I'd love to support you. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy it, would you do me a favor and share this episode and then follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss one episode of the Forgive Yourself podcast, where every Friday you will get tips, tools, and stories so that you can turn your pain into peace. Take care.